passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. New Day versus the Usos. We're about to run right through you like we always do. Yeah, this year, we the MVP. This year, we the first round draft pick. This year, we the all-star team. This year, we the starters. You on the sideline. Yes, sir. That's the difference between you and us. We know how to adapt. We evolve. We move with the game. While y'all sitting there stuck in the past five years, the future is standing right in front of you, boy. Fast lane at WrestleMania. Welcome. Five years. Five years in the past. Have the two of you lost your mind? We've been at the top where we belong. We've been kicking down doors. We've been breaking bears. We've been setting records. We hosted WrestleMania when the two of you were in the back eating catering. And at Fastlane, we take what is currently yours and become not the one time, not the two time, not three or four, but five time WWE World Tag Team Champions. As if they don't have too much on their plates, the Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wayne. Talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Hi, welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. It's John Pollock along with Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? Good. Hi. That's a new one. I hate starting these. Hi, what's wrong with that? I mean, I, that's quite nice. Very, I want to be well. I want to be welcoming, but I think I, I've said this before. I think we can spare the whole. Guess who it is? Guess who, like you have to go through several steps to get to this point where you're actually listening to us. True. Yeah, it should just be like it's me, bitches. Like if you go to a stand-up comedy show, okay, you bought tickets to go see Bill Burr. Do you need him to spend the first two minutes saying hi? I'm Bill Burr. Yo, that's Bill Burr. Do you know? Do you realize who we bought tickets for? Bill Burr. If he took two minutes to do that, you'd have to talk really slowly. Well, we're at about sixty seconds, so uh, we could go another minute on this. But there's too much to talk about. Wait, we don't have time for uh, just no- nothing talk. Although I am going to start it with a non-wrestling topic, and that is leaving your house last night was a near nightmare. Yeah, tell me about it. Okay, so. We finish up the show. Way is uh, actually I I stuck around at Way's place for like an hour after we finished Raw. So this is we're talking like two two thirty in the morning, and I can't find my wallet. And so I go upstairs. And I search by all my pockets, my my bag. I can't find my wallet anywhere. I'm slightly concerned about this. 
hoping that it's in my car. So Wei just says reassuringly, well, just check your car, and if it's not there, then just call me back and come back inside, and you can look for it. I said, okay. So I went and I searched I out my car. You did say that. You 100%, 100% said All that. All right, I know where this is going. <laughs> so I go, I'm checking my car. I can't find my wallet. It's very dark. As I said, this is 2.30 in the morning. So I turn on my flashlight on my phone, and I'm searching under the seats, searching in the back, and then a police cruiser pulls up. No, I'm kidding. But it definitely looked like I was breaking into my own car with this flashlight at 2.30 in the morning, and I can't find my wallet at all. So I've got to call away. I've got to go back inside. I don't want to, I don't want to knock on the door or ring the doorbell or, uh, people could be upset. Not so in my I call, house, John. Well, I, I am not going to ring a doorbell at, at that hour. Oh, no, we're all up. Like, well, more, my, the, the, apparently not. Apparently not. Well, the, the, because the, pro- I, the problem may, may, would be that, uh, I don't even think our doorbell works. So it doesn't. Yeah. So I call Way's phone. Not even a ring. Instant voicemail. It's like, oh no. His phone isn't even on. So I wait. My, I text. Yeah. My phone is no out res- of power because, oh. because we were filming, recording the. Oh, that's our, right. Our that's right. And my phone died in the middle of it. So thus, no <laughs> video. Uh, and also, no answer from me. No answer from Way. I text him. I text him a second time. I call him a second time. There is nothing. <laughs> I'm really starting to worry now because as I'm realizing this, I, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I'm going to have to go home without my wallet and I might have to come back here tomorrow if Way finds this. And then I'm realizing my my pass card to get to my undergar- underground garage is in that. I don't even know if I can get access to my own house uh, without that wallet. So one more time, I open up my backpack and I just toss everything out. And there it is. It's lodged against around my computer. Like the flaps of the wallet had gone around the corners and the cards had like even fallen out. I don't know how I did this because I usually, I'm just a pocket wallet carrier. And I found this thing and I spent, I'm not kidding way, like 18 minutes outside of your house at 2.30 in the morning. And I got home, and I went to sleep around 4.15 this morning. Jeez, wow. What? And then my child started crying at 6. So that, that was uh, yeah. quite, the, quite the morning way. I'm sorry you had to go through that. But I'm also <laughs> okay. glad I didn't answer your phone, because for you to come in, disrupt my sleep, not really my sleep, but my parents' precious sleep, and do all your digging... Only and then it would have been in my bag. Yeah, that this whole thing was in your wall, uh, bag the entire time. That would have really pissed me off. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't answer. No, no sympathy at all. No, nothing. No sacrifice on your part for the the uh, uh, the peace of mind of your close friend. Oh come on, put that thing in your pants. Well, it's time to move on. I don't have a good segue other than to say. Um, do you know what the opposite of Rusev Day is? The complete opposite? Shane McMahon Day. No, John Jones Day. Oh, yes. It was John Jones Day in front of the California State Athletic Commission. Did you follow any of this on Tuesday? I got, I got the gist of it. This was not a good day for John Jones. Mm. He went in front of this commission, and everyone was 
you know, they have prolonged this for a long time. This, this drug test failure was made known in August of last year. Think of what you were doing in August, way. And now it is almost March. So the thought was, well, they have put together quite the defense. They are going to be able to prove something here. And remember that John Jones is represented by first round management, which also represented Yoel Romero, who successfully proved that his drug test failure back in uh, 2000 and early 2016, he was able to successfully prove a tainted supplement. So you're thinking, well, they've got to have a, they've got to have a solid defense here all this time. John Jones defense was basically, I don't know how this happened. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just need to, maybe my drink was spiked. Maybe I just need to live my life in a closet with my wife so no one can get to me. I don't know. And the commission, this this one uh, female commissioner was kind of leading the testimony of John Jones. And she was just very direct. And she started introducing all of John Jones' infractions over his career. And this this woman was uh, John Jones-apedia. She knew everything about this guy. Comments he has made, uh, infractions he has had throughout his career, which are very, very lengthy. And John did not come off very well here. The big reveal, one of the reveals in this was back in 2015, he was supposed to go through a series of online tutorials uh, from USADA. And she brought up the fact that he had done these tutorials and you have to sign off that you've done these tutorials. Well, John informed her, I actually didn't do those tutorials. My management did them for me. And she says, your signature is on this, that you completed this, that you have the knowledge that these tutorials are designed to give you. Yeah, my management forged my signature for those. This was not good. She even brought up, have you considered changing your management? And John has not. And it ended with, California State Athletic Commission revoking his license. They did not actually suspend him for any kind of term, but his license is revoked uh, for at least a year retroactive to uh, last August. And he was also fined 40% of his purse from the Daniel Cormier rematch, along with an additional $5,000. So he got dinged for 205 grand. The big hearing is with USADA, which is at a date to be determined. And after watching this hearing way, I cannot imagine this guy getting a year as we had thrown out that theory on Monday that perhaps he can have a great defense and they will minimize his suspension to a year. I think he's getting two minimum. Hmm. This is a guy yeah. that has made colossal, terrible judgment in his career, and it has cost him millions, and it looks like it will cost him more millions. I think it's a very realistic possibility he's getting two years. He could face up to a max of four and just the oh it's it's just unbelievable to watch the greatest fighter of all time with the absolute worst judgment and decision making ability of any pro fighter that comes to mind especially at that high of a level yeah that's that's a shame so that was john jones day on this february 27th of 2018 
do you have any uh, thoughts on all of the the Brock Lesnar uh, discussion that has continued out of Raw? Any uh, hmm. any new thoughts? Any new uh, theories on everything that that has gone down? It was reported that uh, there were earlier versions of the Raw script with Brock involved, and since that time, WWE.com has put up a a very storyline kind of piece on their website, trying to reach out to Paul Heyman for comment about Brock not appearing on Raw. So uh, he is advertised for a house show this Saturday. Yeah. So unless he, sh- unless he magically shows up at the UFC pay-per-view on Saturday, um, I, th- I think that would obviously be a tipping point to things, but I have no reason to believe he won't be at this house show on Saturday. Nor do I feel like there's anything, any reason that he won't be at WrestleMania for his match. Of course not. Of course not. And I think that as people are looking at this, like I I still maintain that I feel everything you saw Monday was was storyline. That's not to say that the WWE could have, you know, not been tipped off to that photo on Sunday, that maybe they weren't happy about it. But the fact is they're doing a pro wrestling storyline. They maybe will incorporate uh, things that are going on behind the scenes, but that is not going to interrupt WrestleMania season. That's not going to interrupt this match, and that is not going to interrupt Brock's contract. Like, this guy would be a fool to breach his contract when he has months left. So, I... The fact, uh, the fact that it's even any type of story, or even a possibility that we're talking about this guy possibly leaving to go to the UFC, I think plays perfectly into this match and the storyline that they're trying to set for Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. So... I guess it makes yeah. the match more interesting. I mean, the, the WWE are not stupid people. They have played this game with Brock multiple times. I am sure that they knew that this is it's it's Brock's negotiating time. And how can we how can we get some value out of this? Like he's obviously going to, you know, play both sides. He he, in it clearly looks like he wants another contract in his. He's not looking to just walk away from uh, WWE or mixed martial arts. He wants to continue in in some venture. How are we going to utilize these best months possible? And I thought Monday was a great utilization of of what they've got. Without him even appearing on the show. I think it was – listen, I'd, uh, maybe it was always intended that it was going to be the face-off segment. And maybe the photo goes up and they think, wait a minute. let's. It's more valuable for him not to be here. And they change plans around the next day. The fact that Heyman wasn't at the building, Lesnar wasn't at the building, I mean, it just says to me that they just probably changed their mind and came up with a better idea, which is what Monday night was to me. That was a better idea than Roman and Lesnar having a a segment together where I feel Brock would have been the babyface in that situation. Mm-hmm. So let's get into SmackDown. Hey, do you have uh, do you have any shows to plug? Oh, of course I do, Way. I always have shows to plug. We've got... Uh, Coming up this week, postwrestling.com, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, WH Park is returning for his monthly discussion with me uh, as we will – I'm flying all the way to uh, uh, Japan and we're going to sit down and we're going to have some some food and then we're going to chat about Japanese wrestling and you will will get to be a fly on the wall for our conversation. Don't forget your wallet. (laughs) As long as I don't forget my passport can't get overseas with a bank card so wednesday wh park will be with us thursday is keep it 2000 day with brian mann and nate milton and they're going to be joined by robert karpolis uh the mastermind behind the wwe wwe creative 
underscore ish uh, Twitter handle. And he is going to be joining Brian and Nate to review the June 19th, 2000 episode of Nitro. It is phenomenal. I can rattle off that date off the top of my head. Uh, and then Friday, it's our Patreon show at postwrestlingcafe.com where Way and I are taking your mailbag questions, an entire show. And where can they post those questions, Way? Forum.postwrestling.com. Saturday, we've got a UFC 222 post show. And then Sunday, I'm sleeping. That sound good? Sounds good to me. By the way, I want to give a, a special shout out to one of our listeners who uh, genuinely, uh, I, I howled when I when I saw this. I didn't actually howl, but I thought of howling in my head. Like I would have howled if I was someone that is audible when I'm reading tweets. But Omar Guardia uh, reminded me, really blew it on this joke way. I wish I thought of this one. I was jealous. He corrected us on... Kurt Angle's ailment that he's suffering from. Dubba dubba pneumonia. <laughs> very, very clever, I thought. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh man. You're you're gonna really take some uh you gotta break the break the ice on this show for a way. Make him laugh. I'm gonna try my best. I'm waiting. John Cena started the show. If you were watching the USA Network, he was identified under his new moniker, the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> I don't think this aired on the Canadian version. I did not notice it on Sportsnet, but I certainly saw people posting this afterwards. I think it was – well, I don't know why I wouldn't have seen it on the Canadian version. So maybe it did air yeah, in uh, Canada as that. Are you sure this was in the end, the second appearance? No, this was because this was posted almost right away. I saw this very early on in the show. It was when he came out for this beginning segment. So maybe someone in Canada that was paying attention can let us know if – because I didn't notice it. Uh, I only noticed it online afterwards. So he informs us that this is SmackDown Live, and he is John Cena. So we got an introduction from John. Mm -hmm. He says that the only person guaranteed a spot at WrestleMania is Shinsuke Nakamura. Everyone else is finding their road to WrestleMania. And he wants in on the fatal five-way. He said, I – Listen to Rewind to Raw, and Wei Ting had a way better idea than John Pollock did, and that is why I want to get into that match. That way it makes way more sense for me. The crowd booed this, and he says he's here to do whatever it takes to earn a spot into that match. He doesn't want to be handed anything. Shane came out, and he outlines that Cena's trying to insert himself into the title picture at WrestleMania. The crowd responded by chanting Rusev Day, and Shane says he could make history by going into WrestleMania as the 17-time champion. So that prompts Daniel Bryan to enter, and he's willing to give Cena an opportunity if he wins a match tonight. Then he will get into the fast lane main event, but tonight he has to beat AJ Styles. And that's our main event, Cena Styles. Yeah. Well, I think... This, this was completely away from my idea that I outlined, like so far away from it. Yeah, I think, I think a, a lot of people would have preferred the Cena-Nakamura match. Uh, but I have to assume that maybe they have more planned for Nakamura for Fastlane. I don't think so. I think he's the only tease tonight of anything for him was that Rusev stare after he beat Aiden English. I think that's, that's all you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps that, uh, I mean, it puts more interest into that championship match. Um, I suppose they just didn't want to fuck with the, the rumble thing, you know? 
to they also would have needed a reason for Nakamura to accept putting on putting his uh Rumble win and WrestleMania title match on the line against John Cena. And I don't know if they would have been able to find something like that. Um I, I'm not sure. That all said, Cena adds a ton of needed star power to Fastlane. And I think the SmackDown in general for these next two weeks. So whatever the case is, I'm happy to see him around. We got the Mixed Match Challenge promos with our text on the screen. Finn Balor and Sasha Banks. Awesome. You can bank on that. Miz and Asuka. No one is ready. Asuka. They didn't translate what Asuka's uh, Japanese promo was. I was thought I thought we would get like the the they would just put it in Japanese on the screen. Hmm. But they did not. No. Sami Zayn took on Baron Corbin with Kevin Owens on commentary, who made fun of Corbin's hairline early on. He says that Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton sound a lot alike. You can't tell the two apart. And Shane and Brian are showing arguing backstage about allowing Owens to do commentary during Sami Zayn's match, and Brian defends it, saying He's really good at this. And Owens apparently uh, couldn't hear this because he didn't react to this uh, assessment of his commentary skills as they cut back to them. We went through a commercial break and we go back to Shane and Brian. Now Shane has returned with popcorn. And Brian tells him, this match has been awesome. And Owens has had some great comments. They come back. Now Owens can hear them. And he calls Shane repulsive. Zane leapt off the top into a choke slam from Corbin, and then Corbin lifted Zane, dropped him on the announcer's desk, and or and Owens yells at Corbin to focus on the match, you idiot. And then Ziggler hopped the barricade, and he just waffled Owens in the back of his head with a super kick. And Owens looked like he was just concussed. And Zane was distracted by all of this, got hit with the end of days, Corbin wins, and then Ziggler came in and hit Corbin with the zigzag. Yeah, he he Ziggler took Owen's head off on commentary. He, like the replay Jeez. of this. My god, he just laid it right in and the back of his head like he didn't even see this coming mm-hmm. to uh, prepare himself. Yeah, it was it was really tough for me to focus on the match itself and I don't think that was even the point. I don't think I was supposed to be able to focus on the match. All in all, it was just to drive interest into the five men participating in this uh, fatal four-way, five-way, six-way, whatever. I thought it did an okay job. The Shane Bryan cutaways were, I think, were a little awkward. You can tell, like, even the announcers and Kevin Owens himself didn't know whether or not they should have been reacting to it until, like, Owens finally just said, like, this is stupid. Of course I can hear this. And he reacts to Shane and Bryan. And uh, their treatment of, like, <laughs> of, of of kind of like the, you know, what, 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 talent can see and what talent can't see backstage has been has always been really inconsistent but when you force talent to like ignore segments like this uh it makes it even that much tougher so i'm glad they're at least able to to break that that fourth wall here shane and brian are backstage in the office and shane said that brian's boys got what they had coming for them and brian says you know what? Can I just go home? I want to go see my wife and child. <laughs> and he left. <laughs> what a what a gig this is. Like, I'm bored. Can I go home? He wants out of sure. his... Uh, he should ask to be out of his contract, period. Holy Christ. That's what he wants. 
I thought, you know, there's a lot of weeks where we talk about Shane and Brian are really entertaining. I thought they were like the low points of this show. Yeah, I don't think they've been that. This feud hasn't really been good in uh, several weeks now. And um, they feel like an old married couple that's just like arguing. But you, I just don't, I don't know, know what it's leading towards. I don't know what type of match it's leading towards. I don't think it's le- like we haven't had enough twists in it. Brian still is still playing very much a kind of ambiguously mm, heel or babyface GM. Um <sighs> Just, I, I definitely think they're losing a lot of momentum with that feud. Um, that's it. Can I go home? <laughs> I just loved it. Owens and Zayn are backstage complaining about Ziggler when Shane appears, still eating his damn popcorn. And Shane says Brian just left, and he suggested Owens and Zayn follow him because Bree gets upset when they're all late for dinner insinuating that they're all friends and have dinner together. Burn. Ruby Riot versus Naomi. Charlotte and Becky were in Naomi's corner. Carmella was showing uh, backstage. I don't know what, probably just, just reading the latest news because she, she has nothing. She was doing um, like an AMA on Twitter. During SmackDown? Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Uh, they did a double head kick spot. Both go down. And Naomi came off, hit those rapid-fire kicks, and then came off the middle rope with another kick. Naomi went for a bulldog, is run into the corner. Riot pulls her back for the riot kick and pins her, pointing at Charlotte. One more. I didn't think the match was all that great. I think the story is fine, though. They've each picked off each other's friends. And now the only match to settle is the between the two of them. I think uh, Naomi has like a lot of cool kicks. But a lot of her kicks, like, they almost look a little too slow and too mm-hmm. set up to be all that believable. Yeah. They, this isn't, um, I don't know. Maybe she needs to get some, like, Andy Hoog fights from K1. She can incorporate some more uh, deliberate kicks. Or just fully just fully hit her with the kicks. That could be I fun. I mean, psh- yeah, it might be dangerous, but I, yeah, I don't know. Brizongo was back, back from the dead. They had their board when Josh Dumel walked in. What timing? Yeah, are you, are you familiar with Josh Dumel and his? Like, uh, hasn't he done wrestling things before? He has appeared before, but this yeah. was uh, somewhat coincidental, given the fact that there is the uh, well allegations out there that. Encompass Roman Reigns, Josh Dumel, and oh. Mark Wahlberg. Well, he's a part uh, they've, of that. they've all been, you know, alleged uh, customers of this Richard Rodriguez. And just of all the, like, this is this ongoing story that, I mean, lots of places have covered. And Dumel is part of that. But he is here tonight to promote this new series on the USA Network called Unsolved. And the first season focuses on the murders of Biggie and Tupac and... This was a segment that had to be seen to watch Josh explain this to Brizongo. He plays a detective, and then Brizongo says that unlike him, they actually solve their cases because his show is unsolved. Dumel uh, calls it what they do, uh, parodies that you guys make of movies and TV shows. Fandango says, well, I just solved your case. 
there's there's Biggie. <laughs> and Biggie was behind him with the new day. I I thought that was like very clever. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. No? Still waiting. Wow. Tough crowd tonight. Oh, I'm giving please. WWE some credit here. I like I thought it was pretty clever. Biggie started rapping. Josh admits he's not a real detective. This really disappointed Breezango. I would think, wait, this is an actual instance of the WWE forcibly promoting a series that you would be interested in. Me personally? This unsolved show. Would you not be curious to watch this? Uh, or no? Not really. I feel like we've we've had so many Biggie Tupac things already. Uh-huh. And yeah. so many people playing Biggie and Tupac over the years that like this is like the Montreal screw job for me. Oh, I, I understand. I actually looked this up. I, I couldn't find it airing anywhere in Canada. I was actually curious about this series. Right. So, hey, I, I thought this was uh, yeah. effective on me. Yeah, cool. It, 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 I mean, I thought the sketch was awful, like almost all the fashion police sketches have been. Um, but I, it did the job it was supposed to do. It let me know the show existed. The biggie reveal was not, not did it, didn't do it for you. I guess not. The New Day came out for the next segment, and they're looking to secure a spot on the great, greatest stage of them all. They call the Usos their greatest rivals, go through their feud from last year, and Big E says that this feud is hotter than his inner thighs in the summer. And this led to Kofi randomly spraying him in the balls with this spritz. Yeah, he asked for it. He said, spritz me. Yeah. Yeah, that, this part sucked. But then the Usos came out. Jimmy says they went to war. There was only one team left standing. Obviously not. Jay says that they used to be like them, the New Day, dancing, singing, looking like a box of Skittles. But that didn't take them to the next level. The Usos have been grinding for the last nine years to prove they belong on WrestleMania. And year after year, they've been passed over and never been on a WrestleMania card. So pre-shows don't count. So for any of those guys this year who you... Look at the kickoff show and they talk about the, the honor. It's really nothing. And they go through all the years dating back to 2011 that they've been left off the show, which is actually remarkable. And they said this year they are the all stars and the new day are going to be the ones on the sidelines. Jay says they know how to evolve. The new day is stuck in the last five years and Biggie cuts them off and cuts a serious promo here about how they've been knocking down doors, breaking records, and hosting WrestleMania when the Usos were eating catering. And they didn't get here uh, because of their daddies, insinuating the Usos did. And they didn't stand on the sidelines. They rushed the field. They took what's theirs. And now they're going to take their tag titles and become five-time champions. I thought a great uh, promo back and forth from both of these teams. Great promos from both teams. I thought the Usos finally gave some real motivations that are very easy to get behind. They have a reason for being pissed off and cutting this style of promo, which I didn't feel like they fully had before. And Big E's retort, I thought, was also uh, full of great fire, showing a serious side to him and the New Day that we'd never get to see. So I really liked it. I think they've, you know, this this matchup is is quite overdone this year. But they managed to, through two excellent promos, make me want to see it one more time. I'm I really enjoyed these two teams, so I'm fine with them going back to this this match. I mean, the way they set this up, you almost feel like that this would be better served at WrestleMania. But I feel the mm. 
the Bludgeon Brothers will have some involvement there. They interrupted this. And, God, they're doing this a lot. Don't you notice where the next guy comes out and he just walks past the people to just throw that at you? They do it every week with the Bludgeon Brothers. They did it with Balor and Rollins this week. They did it with Cena and Nakamura on this show. Mm -hmm. Just feels like this idea they've come up with and they're just going to do it for everybody. So... The New Day and the Usos just leave the ring, and the crowd starts chanting, why are you scared at them, as they left, and the Bludgeon Brothers entered the ring, and why did the Bludgeon Brothers enter this ring? Just to intimidate. They weren't there when they came back from commercial. We never saw them again. Mm -hmm. They just came to the ring and stood there. Like, there was no, at least the other ones, it's like, they're on the way to the ring for a match. The Bludgeon Brothers were just going for a little walk. Yes. Yeah, that was it. Yep. That was all. Nothing else. They don't talk. No. Well, I guess they do talk. But not today. Shane is, um, he met with Rusev and Aiden English earlier in the day. Always on the phone, these, uh, these interrupted meetings. They complain about being off TV for the last two weeks, so Shane announces that English has a match tonight, and when English asks who, he sings out Shinsuke Nakamura's name. Then we had Dolph Ziggler's selfie. Lost in the shuffle, most decorated, greatest athlete, rising above everyone, John Cena, reality. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was shitty, whatever. Nothing. There's nothing more for us to say. It's just it's the same stuff. Renee Young then interviewed Bobby Roode. He's excited to face Randy Orton. He wants to be the greatest United States champion ever. And he says Orton's one of the best ever. But I outranked him in the top 10. And Orton walks in and says, it's not about the list, Bobby. It's about that title. It's the only title Randy has not won in 16 years. Roode happens to be the guy that has it. And he's going to take it. And that was our promo for... Rude and Orton, and no- nothing with Jinder Mahal this week, so maybe they are not doing a three-way at the pay-per-view. Maybe it's just yeah. going to be straight-up singles match. He was in the dark match against Randy tonight. Oh, and Randy won? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure if it was. Lily Singh came match. out to walk with uh, Jinder. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Did you know who she was? I know they've shown her on TV before. I only know her through their mentions previously. Mm-hmm. Aiden English and Rusev are in the ring, and English calls L.A. smog-filled and bland, a town full of false artists, and Nakamura is the least. And the crowd chanted Rusev Day, and when English got to the end of the song stating Rusev Day, Rusev is just so happy to hear these words sang to this crowd. He's just so happy. Huge reaction for for the both of them. Um, Yeah. And then Aiden took on... Shinsuke Nakamura and Nakamura got uh, sent to the floor and then he took a head kick from Rusev, went through the break. Nakamura made his comeback, running knee into the ribs on the top rope as English is draped there and won with the Kinshasa. And it cut to Rusev, who looked so disappointed here. And that was the only nugget of a hint of something for Shinsuke Nakamura at Fastlane is Rusev, which to me would be the last guy, perhaps, I would pair with Nakamura, who I want to heat up for WrestleMania, to put him in the ring with the, the cult favorite at this at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, why why have to fight the audience with the guy that 
Uh, does need some help, I think, in Nakamura. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it seems to me like they are somewhat aware of the popularity of Rusev, but not willing to embrace that popularity in his push. So, I, thus, uh, you get Rusev put into positions like this that, that I don't think make the most sense for either guy at this point. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I just felt the scenario with Nakamura and Cena was just so much better served. I think you get a, a second no, pat, big match on the pay-per-view. Cool, cool. No, well, I'm going to pat away. I'm going to dislocate my, my arm doing this. Let's hear but it. it just, I'm not that interested in a, in a six-way. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm done to death on these six-ways. And to me, it's, I wouldn't have given away Cena and Styles on this too. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little nitpicky, but anyway. We go to the uh, the end here where Nakamura is uh, celebrating his win. Cena's music plays, and he has a stare down with Nakamura. And then we got the simultaneous point to the sign. So we're coming up with inventive ways now to point to the sign. And to set us up for the commercial break, Tom Phillips says that when we come back, Cena fights for his life. And then Lily Singh was shown in the crowd, and they plugged Unsolved yet again. And AJ Styles, John Cena, they got 22 minutes of television time. Started off with Cena in control with the, his John Cena offense, in particular those punches. All the uh, opponents in the fast lane main event were watching backstage. Cena dropped Styles face first off of his shoulders into the mat, and it starts building up into the big spots. Styles missed a quebrada, and then Cena hit a code red for a two-count. Transitions to the STF, but Styles rolls on top. Then Cena misses running into the turnbuckle, and Styles hits a phenomenal forearm. Cena kicks out of that. Then there's a springboard 450, He and Styles lands on his knees. Cena lifts him up, hits the AA, rolls through to go for a second one, but Styles gets to the floor. So Cena runs at him, misses, going into the steps. Lifts up Styles when he recovers and puts AJ through the table with an AA. And then, what a what a moment this was! Styles needed the assistance of a fan at ringside to pull him up. He grabbed him by the hand to pull up AJ, and he made it into the ring for, at the count of nine. Then he got lifted for the AA, but countered it into the calf crusher. Cena escapes, deadlifts AJ up, and hit one final uh, AA and pinned John Cena. And uh, sorry, pins AJ Styles. So John Cena wins. 21-57 this went. Really great TV match. I think Something SmackDown desperately needed was a sign of life, which this match was. Yeah, the crowd treated this like it was a big match. Mm, and not again, not I would do to push your champion heading into WrestleMania. I think AJ is a champion who's taken far too many pinfalls. But... Uh, as has you know. Cena, who has just lost to all these guys, and then it's the WWE champion he beats. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you need to, to – like, this is the direction you're going to the six-way. It's he had to beat uh, someone of significance here. It's just you're almost doing, like, this losing streak gimmick, but this is the one exception, the the champion. They all lose until they win the one that matters, and that's most of their champions except Brock Lesnar. But if you're AJ Styles, you happen to be lose everything except for your title defenses. And that's okay. So, I mean, John Cena adds a lot to Fastlane. Does it make it automatically, a, you know, that much better of a show? 
Um, I don't know if it's still even a show that's necessarily worth watching. Uh, but that said, I thought SmackDown was way better this week than last. Oh, there's no comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all in all, I mean, it was still just an okay show, though. Yeah, there's a... Uh... This is still a show that's hardly firing on all cylinders. I think they got the the injection of of John Cena all over this show. Afterwards, Cena is checking on Styles, and then Owens and Zayn come out, and then Baron Corbin runs in from the crowd, attacking Cena from behind. Everyone's fighting. Ziggler runs down, super kicks Corbin, super kicks Zayn. So we've got Ziggler, AJ, and Cena left in the ring, and they're all standing there. And Mike Chioda yells, 20 seconds." And they've got a rush here as Ziggler just nails Styles, and then Cena hits Ziggler with the AA, and before it's even done, they are out of there. This was a rushed finish at the end to get all this stuff in. Mm-hmm. And Cena was left standing strong, I assume, because we had already cut away after the AA. Yeah, yeah. No overruns and on Tuesdays. No, no. We have the we had to get to unsolved. True. Yeah. So that was SmackDown. Uh, we're going to move on to the Mixed Match Challenge. Way we are now into the quarterfinals. That's right. Week seven of the Mixed Match Challenge, I believe. Holy Christ. Week seven of this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the first quarterfinal match, we have the Boss Club featuring Sasha Banks and Finn Balor taking on the team of Asuka. A-W-E-S-K-A. <laughs> that is Mike Mazanin and Asuka. We get some new selfie promos from both teams. First up from the Boss Club, where Sasha says, Streaks are meant to be broken, and Asuka's ends tonight. Finn Balor says he beat The Miz last night, and he's going to do it again tonight. And it's going to be awesome. Asuka cuts a selfie promo, and Asuka starts speaking in Japanese. The Miz translates, and The Miz starts to talk about the streak as if it was his own streak. And Asuka stops Miz, reminds Miz that, hey, you lost to Finn Balor last night. This is my streak, not yours. And then Miz blamed it on the language barrier. So much of this match, they were really driving home how Asuka's streak is in danger. So they are including Asuka's streak in as a part of this mixed match challenge. Has she, has she not lost like tag team matches or multi-person matches? She lost, um, I mean, there was a battle royal she was in on NXT television that she lost, and I think there's been a, a few others, yeah, like uh, tags and, and stuff. I'd have to double check. Well, they're including the Mixed Match Challenge as part of her undefeated streak, and therefore the story of this match was kind of that Asuka was worried for her streak now that it's in the hands of the Miz. So Miz and Finn start. Miz, mid-match, grabs the mic, raises his hand, Gets mad when the crowd completes his, when my hand goes up, blah, 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 catchphrase. But before he finishes, Finn sneaks up from behind with the schoolboy for a series of near falls. The crowd, it was evident, didn't care as much about the men. Everybody really wanted to see Asuka. She was by far the biggest star of this match, more so than Finn, more so than Sasha. Miz teases them with the tag, but says he's got this, and he stays in there with Finn a bit longer. Finn is getting the better of the Miz. Then Asuka at this point just decides to step right in because she's freaking out. She starts shouting, shouting in Japanese, trying to coach the Miz mid-match because her streak is in danger. 
So Asuka and Sasha finally tag in. Sasha delivers a huge hard slap to Asuka, and Asuka retaliates. She does her own it kicks, and it's sort of... I, I guess it's a spot that both her and The Miz share. Banks catches one of these kicks, and uh, I found Sasha basically having to play heel in this match because the crowd loves Asuka so much, and also because Sasha herself is starting to become a heel. Um, the commentary I found throughout the evening really quiet. Beth, I had to remind myself that she was even a part of this team because in these seven weeks, she really hasn't had anything done. Uh, she didn't say anything that, that's that been all that memorable. I barely even notice her, which I think is better than having somebody who is too noticeable. But again, it begs the question what that role is there for. The hot tags are also really strange in this match because you have Sasha uh, playing the heel, heating Asuka up for for uh, a hot tag. To the Miz? To the Miz. So once the Miz tags in, the crowd has to start cheering for the other team because it's Balor who's firing up and delivering all the baby, like that, that baby right. face comeback. And as a result... Balor's comeback gets zero reaction. Like, it was almost shocking how little people cared about Finn in this match. And I don't completely blame, you know, their their treatment of Finn, but I would say it's partially kind of the awkwardness of, of this match, too. Um, back in, Miz lands the skull-crushing finale. Sasha breaks up that pin. Balor hits a sling, sling, sling blade. Coup de gras. But this time, Asuka breaks that pin. Now, finally, Banks... Applies the bank statement onto Asuka. Finn locks the crossface on. Asuka reverses into the chicken wing. And Sasha at this point starts tapping out. But she's not legal. However, it's enough to distract Finn Balor. Who uh, who gets rolled up by The Miz. And therefore, Team Asuka wins. So, um, you know, as a result of how much they're pushing the streak as part of this story... It's kind of hard for me to imagine that Asuka and The Miz will lose at all throughout this. But at the same time, I mean, um, it's kind of tough for me to think about Braun and Alexa losing too. So those are the two teams I'm predicting in the finals. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, I am probably, you, we are probably looking at an Asuka-Miz victory. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well. Next week we have Team Little Big, who, who are, of course, uh, Braun Strowman and Alexa. Uh-huh. Uh, they cut a promo. They say, um, get ready to get these hands. And Blizz and Strowman, Bliss and Strowman exchange a flirtatious smile against one another. Uh, they're taking on the team of Jimmy Uso and Naomi, who say that they're going to snatch Alexa bald and Strowman's beard bald. And Jimmy Uso says it's not paranoia. It's that glow-ish. So their new team name is... <laughs> Glowish. All right. Okay. Yeah, it was a better match on the Mixed Match Challenge this week than uh, the previous two weeks. I was really surprised at how much the crowd loved Asuka and didn't care for Finn nor Sasha. Uh, but again, I blame that more so on the awkward heel babyface dynamic in there. Just today, I, I caught up and watched last week's Mixed Match Challenge. Mm-hmm. And the highlight was Bobby Roode doing a strut and then Charlotte getting in to show him how it's to, supposed to be done. Mm. Yeah. I don't I'm know. not a fan of that Charlotte strut. 
just yeah, looks so talked, weird. She talked about how on, on, on that photo shoot thing, uh, that the first time she did that strut in NXT, somebody in the back told her not to do it because she didn't seem like she was doing it with her whole, uh, I guess, I don't know. Well, well, they went through Effort. a stretch where they didn't want her doing any Rick spots. They wanted a, her to be oh, distance. Yeah. And then when... They dropped the name uh, and everything. Yeah, and then, you know, it was all kind of slowly all brought back. Yeah, well, um, you know, like, uh, not everybody's meant to strut. No, no, it's an acquired art. Yeah. Let's go into 205 Live, featuring another tournament. And other quarterfinal matches. If you can keep all... This is like Bellator with all these tournaments going on. Vic Joseph and Nigel went over the brackets. And then Cedric had a promo from earlier. This was a selfie with no font on it. So I didn't know what to do here. He says that TJP can't get into his head. He won't get in the way of him going to WrestleMania. And then we cut to Dasha with TJP. And he calls this absolutely ridiculous. He's a living cruiserweight legend. He shouldn't have to go through the tournament. Champions rise to the occasion. I'm going to go. I'm going to walk through salad Cedric Alexander. Nearly called him salad. Oh, is, we've all screwed me. up. Come on. I'm, I'm only joking around here. This was fine. You know what's crazy? I was looking up here about TJP. This guy is younger than you and I. He was born in September of 84. He had his first match. He started wrestling 20 years ago coming up this summer. I know. That's unbelievable. When he wrestled Tyler Bate, I mean, the their combined age. Like, the, the, the crazy stat was that when TJP started to wrestle, Tyler Bate wasn't even born yet. That's amazing. Like, TJP would have started when he was 13 years old. It's nuts. He was he was going over to Japan by like three four years into his career. It's really astounding. Like mm-hmm. if that guy were to sit down and like write a book or something of like what that was just the, his experience yeah. in this industry, and he's he's thirty three years old. So all you thirteen year olds listening to this, if you're sixteen, I'm sorry, it's too late. Get off your ass. You should be in Japan by now. Where's your Cedric, rare jacket? Yeah, that's that's a great that that should be the barometer of success in life. Cedric Alexander and TJP they had a very lengthy match here. Perkins hooked on to the leg and arm of Alexander early on, applying the submission, and then he started attacking the knee of Alexander. He applied this octopus submission, and then Alexander came back with an elbow springboard in Siguri. Crowd was dead here. Continued attacking Alexander's knee, and then Alexander dropped him to the floor and hit a Topecon hero, but in doing so, hurt the knee in the process. And Perkins reverts to the, the knee bar, and Alexander broke out of it, but then Perkins got it reapplied. Again, Alexander got a rope break, and Perkins is holding on right until the the count of the referee expiring. And then Perkins hit this spin kick to the head, then kicked him in the knee, Lifts him up for the detonation kick, but Alexander blocks, hits the lumbar check, and wins the match. 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Mm. This certainly felt like a crowd that was willing to give these guys a chance. It was a crowd that really liked TJP, being in uh, Southern California. They chanted for him at the beginning of the match. Mm -hmm. So you had people that I think were willing to watch this match and cheer for this match. 
and I think both of them looked really good early on. But midway through, the match definitely lost some steam, and it certainly felt like they lost the crowd's patience. I feel like if this match went maybe 10 minutes or even 12, I think they would have reacted far better for the finish. But I don't think the match was good enough to last as long as it did. And the crowd didn't react to any of these near falls because maybe they were tired and they didn't recognize the finishers. And they really didn't care about the outcome, unfortunately. But it was still very good, though perhaps I had higher expectations for this one. I kind of, I kind of didn't get into this until like the final like five or six minutes. And I thought they were going like really well, but it was just too long. Crowd brought it down. And yeah, I just think after you've just had a 22 minute match with Cena and Styles and then you have, uh, you do have the, how long was Strong and Kalisto? They, they went much shorter. They went 1140. So yeah, well, I just thought this was way too long after the fans have sat through all of this. It's just, um, and, and with these two in particular, I just don't think that these two, um, necessarily like they had a fine match, no, but no, I think nobody on 205 stands a chance at that length. I think unless, yeah, unless I, you're somebody, I, I mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Drake Maverick did an interview putting over the cruiserweight division. He says that these guys just needed some motivation. Mustafa Ali then did a sit-down. He says his eyes were locked last week on the WrestleMania sign, and he held on a bit longer, and he ended up winning the match with Jack Gallagher. Now he's got Buddy Murphy, and Buddy isn't bad enough to break him. Then they interview Buddy, who's on his way leaving the building, and he says if he thought that Jack Gallagher was brutal last week, he's got another thing coming next week, and he's going to WrestleMania. So that is one of our tournament matches for next week. They were, they were two separate promos and done in completely different styles. It's kind of strange because Mustafa Ali seems to be the only guy who gets to cut these promos in this like conf- confessional room that they have set up. Yeah. He does his promos in a very specific looking at the camera style. I mean, that's not a selfie, but it's like it's very well lit. And he's the only guy who gets that room. He's he's the one with it's this is the Ali room. Um and he does well. I think he does really good. He he to me, he feels like somebody who feels real uh, feel, and feels engaging. And um, while I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't see him winning this tournament, I do definitely feel like as a baby face, he's got tremendous potential, and I hope they they use him more wisely in the next year. Buddy Murphy, his was just like like a cell phone uh, TMZ style uh, backstage. So it felt like his was okay. It felt like a big collage of like mixed media. All these people speak across a wide variety of like different styles of interview. And in the end, it all kind of feels a little bit disjointed. But I mean, it also doesn't really, I guess it doesn't matter all that much. In the Where end. were the Snapchat filters? Um, I'm still waiting. Yep, definitely. That's the next one. Kalisto versus Roderick Strong was our second and final match on the show. Early on, Strong hits a backbreaker, and that became the story of the match, working over Kalisto's back. Kalisto hit Hurricane Rana, sending Strong to the floor and followed with a suicide dive. And then Strong caught him, leaping off the barricade onto his shoulders and went for a running powerbomb, but Kalisto turned it into a uh, Hurricane Rana, sending Strong into the barricade. Strong then blasted him with this dropkick that Nigel described as straight through the head. And Strong worked back. 
uh, uh, worked over the back of Kalisto further. Uh, there was a Salida del Sol that was blocked with Strong dropping him on the top rope, hitting Olympic Slam. Kalisto kicked out of that. The audience entertained themselves by doing the elite chant. And then Kalisto and Strong are both on the top turnbuckle. And Roderick goes for some kind of slam off the top, almost like a scoop slam, that Kalisto turns in midair to like this Michinoku driver, dropping him on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just watching this, and I was like, man, this this match would translate so well to just a smaller venue. Like, if this were to happen in, you know, name your your favorite independent group, I think they would have torn the house down here. But this was not the case at the Staples Center. Strong fired up, hit a flying knee, backbreaker, end of heartache, and won the match in 11.42. And he was really torn at the end because... Yes, there's the WrestleMania sign, but he's also got the cruiserweight title on the floor, so he opted to go stare at that. Wait, he's he's got two arms. He Dude. could point and look at the title. Oh, he could he's... point to the sign and look at the title. Maybe they're gonna have to do multitasking. You could point at two things at once. <laughs> it look really cool. I'm waiting for like the talking WrestleMania sign that like can actually communicate with like the person. Uh yeah, sure. Sure, they could do that. I love this match. I thought this was a great match. So fast, so aggressive. I think I enjoyed this more than AJ and Cena. Um, just great intensity from from both off the top. I feel like we're seeing Kalisto in his in a reinvigorated form. Like he's had two of the best matches he's had on the entire in his entire main roster run in in this tournament. So I hope he can keep that momentum up. And I think Roderick. He might be the best guy in this tournament. In ring, he's just amazing. Just brings so much intensity to every single one of his matches. I think I want to see him in those finals at Mania, but it's just about how much they can sell his backstory now and his character. And that goes for almost all of them. That's literally what they're trying to sell is the backstory Ah, in his matches. Yeah, I think that Roderick and Cedric, I mean, it's just unfortunate. Like, I think that match in most settings would just tear the house down and instead they're going to be in this situation in a couple of weeks time like i think that's an awesome match that they're they're going to end up having and it's going to be the same thing we talk about every week okay if you remember last year though the crowd wasn't that bad for neville versus aries people who were there recognized the talent of the two Certainly, it wasn't a full crowd, but it wasn't like they completely shit on it either. Oh, I'm talking about Roderick and Cedric. They're in the semifinal match, so oh, that's okay. going to be a, that's going to be a TV. And then whatever uh, yeah, the it final, depends. I, I thought the crowd for for the Roderick Kalisto match was pretty decent. You know, certainly better than the the TJP match. Uh, that's that is true. Next week we have Mark Andrews, Drew Gulak, and then Buddy Murphy against Mustafa Ali, uh, followed by the semifinal matches. Um, and we've got like. What is it? Five, six episodes left. So they've got plenty of time to uh, do these tournament matches. And then there's going to be, see, once they have the final set, you're still going to have like two or three weeks left. And I don't know what you're going to do with 205 Live during those weeks. I hope they have really, some. Really? They've got two or three weeks. I, I guess the, I mean, you have to, that's the time where, where you'll take to build the characters, I suppose. Okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, that was 205 Live. Um, or they can spread up the, the semifinal and quarterfinal matches. Yeah, like I would think that you will definitely split up the semifinals for each match has its own week. Mm. And then I still think that leaves you like two weeks to before WrestleMania, something like that. Uh, 
What show did you prefer of the three? Um, I don't think SmackDown was bad. Uh, I thought it was average. Um, I think as a viewing experience, I still enjoyed 205 Live the most. All right, let's do some feedback before we wrap up the show, and we will go on over to forum.postwrestling.com. We start off with our poll. Tonight's SmackDown Live, on a scale of 1 to 10, you, the listeners, said it was a 5.1. Barely a pass. We have a very tough audience. Realistic. They're realistic. Brandon from Oshawa writes, John Cena should have lost to AJ. If you're going to do an angle like this with Cena not having a path to WrestleMania, then go all in with it. Have the balls to actually have him go on a losing streak for once. He should have lost this, challenged Nakamura, lost that, and gotten so low that he did something out of the norm to get a match with The Undertaker. The six-patch challenge just smells like a way for Cena to lose, but not actually take a pinfall in doing so. Do we know if it's elimination or is it one pinfall? Oh, I can't see them doing a elimination. Okay. Um, I guess they haven't uh, stated that. Uh, so the whole outright. story with uh, Zayn and Owens is that they'll just have Zayn promises he'll just take the pin immediately. Yes, yes. Right. Although they really didn't play that up this week, but yeah, that was what was introduced. Uh, I go to Brandon's part. I w- I'm not a fan of Cena just losing all of these matches that he uh, doesn't have to, but I do agree with him in the sense that. This story is that Cena is coming up short in all of these these different scenarios. And I just think that with Nakamura, it's like a focused loss. Whereas here, he's just one of five guys that's going to lose this match and may not even be involved in the finish. Isn't that like the point? T- yeah, he, but you're, that you're telling all these. Yeah, I just feel that it's it's one of many stories when you've got a six-way. Whereas... Nakamura Cena, like that's the direct story, is focused on on Cena's loss here and what he's going to do next um, with all of this. We'll, we'll see what they do at the six way. Yeah, I just like the other scenario better. I just feel that it was. Uh, I I think that AJ and Cena is still like a really important match that to give away on ninety minutes notice. I think was a little short sighted. I think beating AJ was a little short sighted. Uh, but we'll see what they do at Fastlane with all of this. Laura from, from Vancouver says, I only want to comment on the TJP versus Cedric match. A lengthy match based almost entirely around TJP doing serious damage to Cedric's knee and the finish is a lumbar check. Move that literally calls for Cedric to drop his opponent back first as hard as he can on his knees. What made it worse is that Cedric didn't sell his knee for even a second after hitting it, not even as little as a simple struggle to cover TJP. It invalidated everything that came before the finish. If you're going to have a body part focused match, it should matter in the finish. That's a very good point. Well, you see, this is such a devastating maneuver for Cedric that he knew if I can hit this move, I win. I move on, even at the expense of my knee. But but he's saying, she, she's saying he should that- have sold it. He should have sold Even the after, knee big. after winning, he didn't sell. Yeah. He shouldn't have been able to get up. I agree. Yeah. Chase from the home of WrestleMania, New Orleans. SmackDown is at least consistent. Bad again this week. The Cena-AJ match wasn't close to as good as any of the others they've had, but part of that could be attributed to commercial breaks. Why can they never present a main event, especially one this big, without commercials? I'd even accept loading up on them early to get fewer later in the show. Cena winning does nothing for me. Why, as well, How about just no commercials at all? Uh, they've tried that before. They did that on uh, 
What was it? Unboxing Day? The point the point of the show is to sell commercials. And you can't like it's a twenty two minute match. Like that's the length of a half hour show. That that's typically three commercial breaks in a half hour show. So you can't just I mean I don't know what USA's policy is, but to, to front load like that would have been that would have been an ungodly earlier part of the show if you were loading in all those commercial breaks. I mean, I don't I don't get too bent out of shape over commercial breaks. We've been having long matches with commercial interruption forever that it's uh I don't know. It's not it's not killer for me. It's just um, the reality of, of broadcast television. I mean, USA isn't paying all that money for SmackDown only to, you know, satisfy hardcore wrestling fans who want to see a commercial-free main event. Yep. I don't even know if they're still doing that deal on USA where they do let the commercial run like picture in picture. For certain matches we, they are. They are still doing that? I believe they are. Cuz we don't get that option in Canada, so I have no way I to could be wrong. That. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. Um he says that Cena winning does nothing for me. It only adds to the mess that is the SmackDown main event scene right now. As for the positives, I enjoyed the New Day Usos promo, and it worked to get me interested in another match with them. 205 Live was good again this week. I thought the TJP Cedric match wasn't nearly as good as some of the other tournament matches. And Kalisto Roddy was awesome. Completely carried the show this week. One of the best matches I've ever seen on 205 Live. Maybe the best. They had great chemistry, and Roddy benefited a lot from having someone smaller than him to throw around. I'm happy to see Roddy win, and I found myself hoping he wins the title as he's had the two best tournament matches and showing he can have great matches with a variety of opponents. Yeah, his two tournament matches so far have been excellent. Both yeah, of them. Yeah, I really like him. He just, like, he's got a style that, like, fits the cruiserweights, but doesn't feel like... He's a small guy. Like when he's in there and he's doing all those backbreakers, like he just he feels intense and he feels like like one of the best in on the roster. So I, I hope he goes far in this uh, and, tournament. And now you've got the end of heartache versus the lumbar check in the semifinal with the two of them. Um, what's the relation? No, they're they're like similar moves. One's like a like a mm. suplex into a backbreaker. The others, no, okay, 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 yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Adam from San Diego, it's pretty sad when I can say that tonight's SmackDown was the best I've seen in a few weeks. Not thrilled with most of the directions for Fastlane, but it is a lame duck pay per view. I thought the Usos New Day promo was very good, and they finally gave Biggie some kind of shine instead of making him look like a guy that only seems to enjoy weird gyrations and pancakes. Cena and AJ had a solid match. Nowhere near their past meetings, but still good nonetheless. I do not understand why they feel the need to waste all the main adventures on SmackDown in one match other than to tease dissension between the two authority figures, which tonight featured one of them deciding they are ready to go home after 20 minutes of work. 205 Live was an excellent episode tonight, with the two matches, in my opinion, being the standouts of the tournament so far, with Roderick and Kalisto being quite possibly the best match of the tournament thus far. I know the joke on TJP is his promos are goofy, but there are a few few in the world who are technically sound as him and Cedric was solidly booked here, here as well. I would assume he's the favorite to at least reach the finals with how he is being portrayed since the tournament began. Vish from Victoria. I liked it. Promos were good. Matches were good. I liked the exchange between the Usos and the New Day. It made me not mind seeing another match between them. They always end up being creative and making the match different as well. I like the first uh, 
WrestleMania for Usos spin. Give it some purpose. I think Cena could have, should have lost if he isn't winning the title at Fastlane. If he just loses at Fastlane to become more desperate in his attempt to call it Taker, then they could have just done that without him losing tonight. Also interesting Twitch cast with Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. It answered some questions. They basically ruled out any WWE move for fear of losing creative control. Also talked about life after wrestling as a teacher. Hopefully they do more. Had 1.5 thousand viewers at the time. Not bad at all for Twitch. I was watching this before we started. Oh. It was a lot of fun. It was just like, it was the Golden Lovers playing uh, this like Nintendo speedrun challenge game. So they're playing like all the classics like Mario, Donkey Kong, and uh, Pinball. And um, it's just like it feels like you're hanging out with these guys. And I mean, that really is the appeal of Twitch. But um, specifically, I guess, like celebrity Twitch. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, a lot of people were answering, asking like questions like, you know, is CM Punk all in? And then like Kenny would start answering, but then he'd be cut off because of something going on in the video game. Uh, but they did say specifically that um, he has a lot of friends in the WWE and he's very happy for all of them. But for him, what's important in wrestling right now is to tell the stories that he's able to tell. And he feels like New Japan has some of the best talent in the world for him to tell those stories. Hmm. So there you go. By the way, Access, um, this is how fast they're turning around uh, their episodes now. Uh, Jim Ross and Josh Barnett are already calling the... Uh, Abushi Omega tag match with Cody and Marty Skrull. They're they're calling that one on Wednesday. Oh, good so for them. It's going to air over the next few weeks, but they're yeah. yeah, they're they're voicing over some of the new beginning stuff and then the Honor Rising shows. I imagine they know like you know what who the specific guys are that they have to focus on for strong uh, strong style evolved and just in general like who the North American market cares most about. And I imagine that'll kind of cut off a lot of like matches that they don't need to call. Mm-hmm. Finally, we got Anthony from Los Angeles who says, I don't pay to go to WWE shows anymore because there are so many great indie promotions in my area. I recently, ha- recently had the pleasure of seeing Kikutaro, The Great Muda, and Penta L0M on the same card. So I didn't go to this local show lot. I just want to say that during the Miz and Asuka promo for the Mixed Match Challenge, they delivered their tagline, Asuka, and the dudes in charge of putting stupid text all over the screen just typed in Asuka. Get it together, <laughs> production crew. What the hell? Well, thank you, folks. That was a wide-ranging amount of feedback, questions, analysis, and even some Twitch reviewing. So thank you very much. We appreciate it all. Uh, once again, uh, I will be back on Wednesday with WH Park. Thursday, we've got Keep It 2000. And then Friday, it's our Patreon show for all of our members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, it's Ask Away, our monthly mailbag show. You can get your questions submitted up in the Post Wrestling Cafe section up uh, at forum.postwrestling.com. So uh, go there. You can sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com, and that show will drop on Friday. So and if you guys are, if you guys are looking for uh, John's WrestleMania week schedule of all the we events. Have, we have a tab. Yes, of all the events going on in New Orleans during WrestleMania weekend, go to postwrestling.com and just click on the Mania Week tab. Yes, lots of matches being added, and uh, we are constantly updating that. So go to postwrestling.com, and we'll speak with you later on this week.